0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I am your boy, 12 Kyle, man. Check this out (laughs) on this episode. What I'm going to talk about is the prime effect. This will be part two. Now, if you're thinking, well, what happened to part one? Part one, actually, I recorded uh, back in December of, I think it was 2022. Um, As many of you know, uh, Deion Sanders, a.k.a. Coach Prime, is the uh, head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, And back then, I uh, I did an episode on Coach Prime And what I wanted to do at the time was kind of talk about my feelings about Dion uh, as he was leaving Jackson state university to take the job at Colorado. Well, a lot has changed. Um, that episode uh, dropped December 4th, 2022. Uh, before I get into the prime effect too, let me go back a little bit and kind of give you a backdrop as to how we got here. Um, First and foremost, and I mentioned this on that episode and I'll say it again, it it, it goes without, you know, saying I am a huge fan of Deion Sanders. Uh, Deion Sanders played his college football at Florida State University. And Florida State University is my favorite college football team outside of my own team, the South Carolina State Bulldogs. Um, Nonetheless, uh had it not been for prime uh I would not have been a Seminoles fan and I'm still a Seminoles fan to this day. I would never ever be a you know a South Carolina fan, South Carolina Gamecocks fan in spite of growing up in the state of South Carolina, wasn't a Clemson fan, definitely couldn't have been a Florida Gators fan, shout out to King Germ, or a Miami Hurricanes fan. To all you guys who are fans of those teams, nah, those, those teams suck. Um but I became a Seminoles fan strictly on the strength of Deion Sanders when I saw him play in college, um, back in the early, in, excuse me, in the mid eighties, uh, mid to late eighties. Um, so I'm a fan and I think being a fan allows you to be practical and it also allows you to be uh fanatical to some degree. And it also allows you to be critical at times, uh, when deemed necessary. And I think I've been a lot of those things, uh, and more as far, as far as Dion is concerned, um, but again, I was happy to see Dion take the job at Jackson State. Uh, Dion tore Dion and his Jackson State Tigers tore through the uh, SWAC conference, the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Um, and as many of you know, uh, in 2021, uh, Dion's team, Jackson State, they met up against my team, the South Carolina State University Bulldogs, which is where. I matriculated from and where I played football at. uh, And we played in the Celebration Bowl um, that was played here in Atlanta. And as many of you know, or maybe you don't know, I'm going to remind you that South Carolina State threw Jackson State down a flight of stairs. And we kicked their ass. I think the score was like 31 to 10. I mean, it wasn't even close. And nobody gave us a shot to win, but we won. And so Dion bounced back from that. Shortly thereafter, uh, he announced that Jackson State was signing the uh, best player in, in high school football at that particular year, kid out of Metro Atlanta by the name of Travis Hunter. Uh, and all of these people were you know, amazed and also shocked, and they were thinking, well, why would a kid like Travis Hunter, who had offers from every school in the country, including Alabama and Florida State, uh, turn those schools down to go play for little old Jackson State and Deion Sanders? Um, and so all of that's building up. And then that leads up to the uh, the following season in 2022 and Jackson state goes undefeated through the season. And uh, Dion, as I mentioned on that podcast episode uh, he did an interview with 60 minutes. And on that interview, he made mention of the fact that if he were to be approached by a power five, uh, the bigger white schools that, you know, he would consider leaving Jackson state and that, interview, you know, set a lot of people off, but you know, as I mentioned on the the first episode, um the prime effect part 1 was that, you know, I knew then <laughs> that he would at least consider it if it were if given the opportunity. Uh so again, I dropped the episode December 4th, 2022. Uh he now he announced that he was leaving and um you know, when he announced that he was leaving Jackson State, the reaction and the uh, fallout was split right down the middle. I mean, you had a faction of people, a lot of people who were very happy for him. They were like, okay, well, hey, this is your shot. They wanted to see him shine at the at the quote-unquote big time. Uh, and then there were people who were very upset about him leaving, given the fact that he proclaimed himself to be the savior, not just for Jackson State, but for other HBCUs, which I thought was ridiculous because – he couldn't speak for my HBCU. He couldn't speak for any other HBCU other than the one that employed him. Uh, nonetheless, Dion moved on. And I dropped that episode right before, uh, right after he made the announcement, but he still had one more job to do at Jackson State, and that was uh, his team, like I said, was undefeated. They were to play in the Celebration Bowl for the second year in a row, uh, this time not against my South Carolina State University Bulldogs, but against – the Eagles from North Carolina Central. Uh, they played in the game two weeks later and the game was here in Atlanta, a game that I attended, and um, they lost. <laughs> they lost in overtime. Uh, so there was two chances that Dion had at the national championship uh, and came up short. And like as soon as that game was over, he was on a plane to Boulder, Colorado uh, to start his new career as the college head football coach for the Colorado Buffaloes. Now keep in mind, He took a job at Colorado, and Colorado had only won one game the previous season. So he had his work cut out for him. And so we were really going to see if the prime effect would actually work. Um, He made headlines. He made headlines from his first meeting with the team. I'm sure all of you saw it and heard about it. Uh, There was a YouTube video that showed it where he came in. He met with the team. And it was recorded, and he told the team, hey, I'm bringing my own luggage, and it's Louis. And what he meant by that was like, hey, some of these players, some of you guys on this team, you're not going to make it. We're going to – and the thing is, people don't understand. You can't actually kick a kid off the team because, of their, because they're in a the scholarship. But what you can imply is that, well, hey, you won't play here. And if you tell a kid they're not going to play there, then ultimately they're going to leave. And um, so he encouraged – many of them to jump into the transfer portal which is the uh college version of free agency if you will and a lot of them did and he brought in a lot of transfers from the from the uh from the transfer portal and he built up a roster and so everybody was really um everybody was really confused or or you know not really sure as to how this is going to work i mean the majority of the team i think it was something like 60 kids were all either transfers or they came through the uh, the uh, transfer portal uh, or, you know, junior college kids. So he had basically a team, I guess, in, in the best way I can put it, he basically had a team of all-stars, if you will, kids from every every corner of the United States. And he also brought his luggage because he brought his son, Shadua Sanders, who was the quarterback at Jackson State. Uh, he brought his other son, Shiloh. Sanders, who was the free set sa- starting free safety at, at um Jackson state. And he bought the aforementioned Travis Hunter, who, you know, at Jackson state was not only just the best player on that level, but one of the best players in college football. And so he was bringing luggage. He brought a few other players from Jackson state as well. And so you had all of that playing in the backdrop and then the season was about to begin. Now the buzz that was created from the time that coach prime got there through their spring game tickets were so, I mean, their spring game was sold out. Uh, It was covered on ESPN. I mean, nationally televised on ESPN. Um, There was a buzz, a huge buzz because no one knew what to expect. And I always said like, you know, in football, the hardest game of the season is the first game. And it's even, and the reason why is because you don't have any film. You don't know what a team is going to do. You don't know about their personnel. You don't know what they're capable of, all of that, right? And what made this game even more interesting and more harder was because nobody knew what Colorado looked like. Nobody. Not even Colorado. Nobody knew what they looked like, right? So they're coming into the first game, and they're playing the first game on the road. And the first game of the season, they're playing against Texas Christian University, a.k.a. TCU. Now, the previous season, TCU was the national championship runner-up. So they basically were the second-best team in the nation from the previous year, right? And they're hosting Colorado. The game's on national TV on Fox Sports. It was a noon kickoff. I'll never forget it because I was in front of the TV front and center. Not because I was interested so much in as to this game or what have you, but I really wanted to see what – Colorado looked like. I was, wasn't was sure how Shadour Sanders was going to look. I wasn't sure how Travis Hunter was going to look because Travis Hunter in particular was going to be playing offense and defense throughout the game. I mean, while that used to happen back in the day, it's rare. I mean, players don't play both sides of the ball at that level, right? And so you had so many things at play here. And, and it was Dion's first chance at coaching um on the power five level uh in in the big and, and having the big lights on the big stage if you will and so i just wasn't sure how he was going to handle it i knew it, i knew the moment wouldn't be too big for Dion because deon sanders if you know anything about him he lives for big moments uh but you know it's different when you're coaching and you're not playing you know you're not hitting a baseball or you're not running down the field catching a pass or you're not intercepting a pass and taking it the other, other direction to the house. So he had all of that at play, right? And again, expectations were just high, but you still didn't know. And so you didn't know if it was going to be a situation where they were going to excel or they were, they were going to fall in their face. Um, but I watched that game and that game was incredible it was a high scoring game. The game was going back and forth between TCU and Colorado and Colorado won the game 45 to 42. And it was amazing. And more so like, I think we were kind of, we were just really surprised at how well they played and how they looked because you just didn't expect, you didn't know what to expect. And at the end of the game, Dion was overcome with emotion. Take a listen.
1: And our Jenny Taft is down with Coach Prime.
2: Coach Prime, it doesn't get much better than this. You said all along, we come in. This team is here. And wow, did you impress. How I proud believe, are you? Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful right now. my son, man. My pot right my here. My son, man. my other son. Yeah. Girl, I'm lo- man, I'm loving these kids. Rick George for giving me this opportunity, man. This is a blessing. Everybody, Buff Nation, who supported us in all the hood that had my back. I thank y'all. God, this is good. Woo! What can you tell me about your defense and the way they came up huge with that stop to get they, this win? They surrendered some big plays throughout the game and we all we kept teaching was just we need one stop. One stop. Well, what about the offense? How did they respond? How did these guys respond? I don't know how many snaps he played, but we're going to put a hot tub on the plane for him to make sure he's straight. Hey, we're excited because we are heading to visit your home next week, Folsom Field. What is your message to the fans of what we can expect from Colorado? We told you we're coming. We told you we coming. You thought we were joking. And guess what? We keep receipts. God bless you, America. Ooh, God is good. Congratulations.
0: And I mean, he really, you know, was feeling it. He was feeling it. He was feeling himself, obviously. Uh, you know, he, he had Shadour there. He had Travis Hunter there in the postgame uh, on the field. And, you know, he was almost in tears. And, um, you know, then he, he just – he was overcome with emotion. And, I mean, like they were celebrating on the field. And it was just uh, – even the announcers were really surprised because, again, no one knew what to expect. And so then they go into the locker room. They talk about it or whatever. And then it's time for Dion to face the media. And in typical Dion fashion, Dion <laughs> gets asked a question by a reporter who Dion deemed was, you know, he had been writing some suspect things and some negative stuff about him and the program. And Dion had this to say to that reporter.
2: What's up, boss? You believe now? Of all the, you, memes- you, be- hold on, hold on, oh, hold on. Oh no. Do you believe in that? <laughs> Huh? Who said I didn't believe oh, before? No, 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 I read through that bull junk you wrote. I, I read through that. I sifted through it. What, through what all did that. I write? Ah! What did I write? Oh, no. Come Can on. I ask my question? Do you
0: believe in what? You don't believe. <laughs> I do believe? You just answered it.
2: You don't believe. <laughs> Next question.
0: Now, that was interesting in and of itself because, you know, Dion said that's one of the reasons why they record stuff because, because Colorado, well, even at Jackson State, they recorded everything, record practices. They record inside the locker room. They, so they record game day. They record after the games, they record the kids hanging out all kind. Of, I mean, like, it's, it's like a reality show, TV, TV show, excuse me. And the thing that's interesting about that is that while that's not the most conventional way of doing things, um, it has garnered a lot of, and it did garner a lot of attention for kids who were thinking about going to those schools. So, you know, that was definitely an appeal to go to Jackson State because you're like, man, look, I can you know, make my brand awareness even higher because if I play well on the field and then you know, people can see me on social media every day, you know, that that makes me more marketable. And and that is true. And to some kids, that's an appeal. And um You know, so Dion's quote unquote receipts were there and he was able to kind of throw that in that reporter's face. And again, after that first week, they Colorado was the talk of college football. It wasn't about Michigan. It wasn't about Bama. It wasn't about Ohio State. Wasn't about USC. It was about Colorado. And so their next game was going to be a home game. And on their home field, again on Fox uh, and I think it was like a 1 o'clock Kickoff or something like that And it was against the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, Nebraska was coming off a decent Year I guess the previous year but Nebraska wasn't the, the Nebraska That I grew up watching uh, But nonetheless it's a brand name and You know they had a new coach and um, It was going to be interesting to see how it went And Again they showed up and showed out. I mean, Shadur Sanders was incredible. He threw for 393 yards, and they won the game 36 to 14. So now they're two and zero, and college football is still buzzing about this Colorado football team, and rightfully so. And they're getting more and more popular, and, and, it, and it's it's garnering national attention. And then they get to the third game of the season. The third game of the season. And this game is against their in state rival, the Colorado State uh, Rams. And this game was interesting. And now keep up. I, I meant to tell you, I watched the Nebraska game, all of it, is in its entirety. And so the Colorado, excuse me, the Colorado State game, uh, that game was also in. Was that game at home? I can't remember if that game was at home for them or in. It might have been at in a uh, where Colorado State, uh, but nonetheless, what was interesting about this game was we, the week leading up to it. Colorado was everywhere. ESPN was there. Uh, they did the game day from there. I think um, uh, Fox was there, obviously to cover the game. Uh, you know, they were getting talked about on national TV on NBC, and I I don't mean sports, I mean just regular shows, you know, news they were getting coverage a lot of coverage, everybody was talking about Colorado, and they were talking about Coach Prime and this game I think the game started at 10 o'clock Eastern time if I'm not mistaken Uh, that game and I stayed up and watched the entire game Colorado wins 40, 43 to 35, right? Another crazy game for Shador Sanders. He throws for 348 yards. At this point, through three games, Shador Sanders is seriously being talked about as a Heisman candidate. Travis Hunter is playing both sides of the ball and looking like, like a baller. Uh, he unfortunately got hurt. He got cheap shotted during uh, that particular game and got knocked out of the game. But that game went off tv at 2 a.m eastern standard time and the thing that i remember about that particular that colorado state game was that everybody and their mama that i know was on social media whether it be twitter ig or facebook everybody was talking about that i mean tweeting texting through that game and i mean like i there's no way (laughs) and again i'm a huge college football fan there's no way that I'm staying up to watch a college football game at 2 a.m. But I was there for Colorado, Colorado State. And it was dope, man. I I, I couldn't, I, I, it was a good, really good game. And not only was it a good game, but we were still interested to see how long this wave would continue to rise. And after they beat Colorado State, man, people are talking like this team it's possible that it would be that this team could possibly go to the national title game. Or at the very least, people were saying that this team could be a bowl contender and that they could possibly make some noise in their division, which was the Pac-12. Um, which now is the Pac-2, but that's another story for another day. Um, but again, they they gone national attention and Everybody was loving Coach Prime. There, there are people that I know, and I'm sure maybe you do too, who bought Colorado gear that, that don't have any ties to their program. Bought Colorado gear. I know people that bought Coach Prime uh, sunglasses. He was selling the sunglasses. I think seven, his sunglasses are like 75 98 75 to $90 a pop. Uh, and then there was a waiting list on the, the sunglasses. So if you ordered them, you might have to wait a month or two to get them. Um, I know people who actually went to Colorado football games, home football games, and they had no ties to the Colorado football program at all. And of course, if you watched any college football that particular last year, that particular year, uh, particularly early in the season, Colorado's football team was like where everybody wanted to be. And celebrities, athletes were littered on their sidelines. It was nothing for you to look over there. And I mean, it was almost like going to a, a New York Knicks game in Madison Square Garden and you're just looking around and you're seeing celebrities, or going to a Laker game and you're seeing celebrities all throughout uh, Staples Arena, uh, sitting courtside. That's how it was. And these people, these celebrities and athletes were literally on the sideline within a, within a stone's throw of Coach Prime. I mean, I remember one game, the whole Wu Tang clan <laughs> was on the sideline pregame and so when you have that type of thing going on everybody loves a winner right everybody wants to be a part of it and you were just uncertain as to how long it would continue but the wave had become a tsunami and it was all about Colorado football at this point point. and then and then and then it's time for Colorado to play the Oregon Ducks. They had to go to Beaver, was it Beaverton, I think, um, to play Colorado. Excuse me, to play Oregon. Oregon I think at the time was like a top 5 team. And before the game in a in their locker room with cameras rolling, color, excuse me, uh coach of the Oregon Ducks, Dan Lanning Dan Lanning had a few choice words for Coach Prime and Colorado. Take a listen.
1: Rooted in
2: substance, not flash, rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment, the Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood. It's gonna be played on the grass. Yes, yes. Right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go.
0: Now, that's what he said about Colorado. And he said it again, knowing that he was in a room with cameras and microphones. And what was interesting was, I saw a lot of backlash. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's hating. I can't believe he hates. And some people even tried to make it a race issue. Relax. (laughs) I'll tell you what I tell everybody. If you never played any sports before or you never played on that level, that's typical. There's no cookie cutter language in a locker room. Ever. You know, a lot of times, I mean, it's not really a lot of disrespect. And even what he said, I didn't think it was disrespectful. It was kind of funny to me. But he just let his team know, like, he wanted his team to be motivated. And he said this before the game. He wanted that speech to motivate his team so that they would understand that, you know, they're not on the same level as Colorado. They're above Colorado. And they went out and proved it because – Oregon put the beat down on uh Colorado. The final score was 42 to 6. I mean, it was soul to soul. Back to life, back to reality. <laughs> I mean, they beat them down. They beat them down and they smacked Colorado around like they were a bunch of little kids. Um and so it was it was time. It w- it was humbling. And I always thought, and me and my my boys, we talked about it. Like, you know, I would want. I wondered how it would be, um, you know, once the dust kind of settled, and once they ran up against the program. Because, you know, for what it's worth, you know, they had victories over TCU, Nebraska, and Colorado State, but they weren't on the same level as Oregon. While they may have been ranked, Oregon came into the season one of the best teams in college football, and so. You know, that was a barometer. That was a measuring stick. And they knew that they were going to have to pass that test. And not only that, but they'd be playing USC the following week and playing up against the returning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. And so, you know, Colorado knew they had to work out, cut out for him, and everything like that. And um, they beat the hell out of Shadour Sanders. Dion's son got thrown around like a rag doll at quarterback. And they went to send a message to say, hey, you might be good, but you ain't that good. <laughs> you might be big, but you ain't big enough um and so they sent a message, and so the following week uh Colorado has to play against u s c now it was a closer game they but they lost forty eight to forty one and so now, as a team, you're kind of reeling and what i i one thing I always try to pay attention to is you know when teams start to lose do they stay together do they stick together or do they start looking around pointing fingers fussing at each other you know that kind of thing cuz you know losses can expose your you know weaknesses and so after the USC loss they beat Arizona State 27-24 and they hosted the Stanford Cardinal playing a game i never get i think it was a friday night game And um, they were playing, you know, again at home. And I'll be honest, they were favored to win this game, I think by 14 points. Like Colorado should have blown Stanford off the map. And for the first half, they did. That game was, the score was 29 to zero at halftime. Colorado could do no wrong. But, but, but you all know that there's 60 minutes in every game. Can't play 30, got to play 60. And what ended up happening was they played 30 minutes as opposed to 60. And that first half, Colorado looked flawless on both sides of the ball. I mean, like, they couldn't be stopped. And But what happened was, again, you have to play the full 60 minutes. And they ended up losing that game. 46 to 43. And I think that's where Colorado lost the season. I truly believe that that's where everything kind of went downhill. I think they still, I I don't know, maybe in their heart of hearts, they probably thought that they could compete with USC and uh, Oregon. And they did. Well, I mean, they competed with USC. That game was close. Oregon smacked them around. I don't think that game wasn't close at all, but it gave them some perspective. And again, you know, you come back the following weekend, you play against Arizona State, and you win. So you're in good shape. You only have two losses at the time. And, you know, but it, it, that was kind of like a wake-up call. But to lose to Stanford was huge. And we started seeing chunks, or excuse me, chinks in the armor of the program, I think. Um, I don't think Dion and his staff was coaching the same. I don't think the team was playing the same. And I started hearing things about the program. I started hearing in little sound bites I'd hear from Deion Sanders. It would sound, because at this point in time, in these losses, in particular, Shadua Sanders was taking a beating. He was the most sacked quarterback in college football. Now, what's interesting was, statistically, he was one of the best quarterbacks in college football at the time, but he was getting sacked six, seven times a game and take, I mean, getting hit repeatedly and that stuff takes its toll on your body and it takes a toll on your game because as a quarterback, you don't want to stand in there and keep getting punished. And it became clear that the weak link of the Colorado football team was their offensive line. And, you know, but what can you do? You can either coach them up and get better or you can start pointing fingers. Now the one Good thing, I think, that happened that weekend that they lost to uh, Stanford was, you know, they still got even more recognition. Uh, In spite of the devastating loss, they were actually praised and spoofed on Saturday Night Live. The game happened Friday night. Saturday Night Live actually did a spoof of them on the weekend update with Colin Jost, um, or Colin Jost. Uh, um, the host of Weekend Update, along with Michael Che, and Keenan Thompson played Coach Prime. And this skit was hilarious. Take a listen.
1: Well, one of the most exciting stories in college football is the Colorado Buffaloes, who have had a remarkable turnaround thanks to their coach, two-sport legend Deion Sanders. Here to comment is Deion Sanders. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> like that black dad joke. <laughs> time time in the house. You know what I'm saying? We just keep winning, man. Every game, every minute, we win in that life. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're also four and three, so uh so you have lost a few. Kyle. Look at me, man. What about me makes you think that I care about what you think about me? Huh? You don't understand that my team has it all, man. Coaching, genius. Offense, explosive. Defense, triumph. <laughs> it's the complete package, man. Yeah, well, millions of people are watching your games. You've obviously turned the program around, but it's not perfect. I mean, just last night, you lost to Stanford in double overtime. Wasn't that crazy? We were up 29 and nothing after half. Yeah. So I went home and fell asleep. <laughs> I woke up this morning shocked as anyone. But come on, man, nobody's perfect. Name one team that's undefeated. OK, well, well there's Georgia. Right. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Ohio State. That's another one. Florida State. <laughs> Forgot about them. Oklahoma. Sure. Penn State. Indeed. Washington. Good team. North Carolina. Tar Heels. Air Force. And C. That's exactly my point. What, what is your point? Colin, look at me, man. <laughs> look at my, to me, coaching is a higher calling. Right, that's right. You you, you started coaching your career, right, at, at Jackson State, which is uh, an HBC or historically black college, right? Very good, Colin.
0: <laughs> now... The good times would not last after that. Uh Colorado would go on to lose their next five games after the loss to uh Stanford. They lost to UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, and Utah. Um Shadua Sanders would eventually be knocked out for the I think the last two or three games. Uh he had a uh, something wrong with his back. I think he had they said he had a broken bone in his back, his lower back. Um and after the Cardinal loss, I think, or even before then, uh, like I said, there were some chinks in the armor. And more specifically, I think what we started seeing was uh, what we call "daddy ball." Now, I got—I can't get—I can't take credit for that. I, I got to give credit to my man, Big Larry from South Carolina State. Uh, Big Larry—he—he he said that in our group. Um, he said that Coach Prime is playing daddy ball. And what I mean by that is when a father who's coaching his son is strictly look, looking out for his son and his son's well-being and really forgetting about the team. Maybe maybe even treating his son a little bit better than he does the team. Now, in this dynamic, Coach Prime is the coach. He's the head coach. He recruited every kid that's on that Well, not every crew, but, but he, he signed off on every kid that's on that team to be on that team. And the star quarterback is his son. And you can't have preferential treatment for the son just because he's the star quarterback. And I remember him saying something in a press conference. He was like, we got to make sure we we protect Shadul. We got to take care of Shadul. We got to make sure he's upright. And while that doesn't sound like a lot, it does also sound like a guy who is concerned about his son. And you're forgetting that there are 90 other players on the team. Football don't work like that, Coach Brown. It just doesn't. Um and so I, I saw a lot of finger pointing. Saw a lot of you know there's there was rumblings of jealousy. Uh there was rumblings of you know preferential treatment. Now whether or not that stuff ever came to be true I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll find out one day. Um and then coach Prime did the unthinkable after a loss. Uh he threw his offensive line under the bus. Take a listen.
1: Coach, you mentioned the, the coaching aspect of it as well. Yes, sir. Specifically with the offensive
2: line, I mean, what has to improve in that aspect besides from the line? The line has improved. There ain't no aspect. The line has improved. Coach, we talked about run pass balance a lot. Yeah. I think it was up until that last drive, you had maybe seven carries with running backs, and had like 34 passes. Yeah. How how much is, you think of that is a struggle for you guys right now? Well, it a struggle to run the ball. It's a struggle to run the ball and well, we we got to figure figure that out because now you're, you're one-dimensional and it's easy to stop a team when they're one-dimensional and that's who we are at this point in time. Could, well, could
0: being able to commit
2: to that, you talked about wanting Commit and to what? Running walk. Could, could I, I, I think we committed to it on, on a first down and we were second and 15. Right. Those are the type of things you don't want to do and get behind the eight ball. First downs are so vital. That in
0: terms of the big picture, trying to keep Chidure the big picture
2: you go get the lineman that's the picture and i'm gonna paint it perfectly
0: <clears throat> you can't do that you can't do that um no matter how bad things are and the offensive line was bad we we make no mistake about it but they also abandoned the running game so if you open up the game and you're throwing the ball 50 times a game then yeah you your quarterback's gonna get hit i'm sorry your quarterback's gonna especially against that offensive line but instead of criticizing what i mean excuse me instead of criticizing the offensive line you what you have to do is take some t- some type of accountability and say hey we got these guys here we're going to keep coaching them we're going to keep making them better or we'll keep working with them i mean maybe you you design plays to get the ball out of Jadarius Sanders hands faster uh they even went as far as to demote the offensive coordinator and have somebody else come in and, and call plays, um, which when you, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I've heard that I'm sure it has happened in college football. We see it happens from time to time in the pros, but when you get demoted like that as an offensive coordinator, your job is done. Like you, you're not, you're not going to stay there. Your, your job at that particular school is over. Um, and it was panic mode. I think, I think coach prime panic. I think he wasn't – he didn't have any faith in, in the offensive coordinator. He didn't have any face, faith in the offensive line, and he chose to blame, um, you know, them. But let's be real. Colorado couldn't stop anybody on defense either. I mean, the defense was terrible. They couldn't get sacks. They just – they teams ran up and down on them because they were kind of small up front. And I think part of the problem that Dion had was – in his recruiting and his bringing in of talent, the skill guys he got, he got the Travis hunters. He got, he had dope receivers. He had pretty good corners, you know, secondary was good. But the thing that you have to remember about football, football is a very simple sport. And I'm, and I speak for someone who played, you know, from little league all the way through college. And one thing, my dad, my dad taught, he, he coached me as well. One of the things he always told me when I was like eight, He said football is a simple sport. He said the team that blocks the best and the team that tackles the best and the team that doesn't make mistakes, that's the team that wins. And that happens. It happens every Saturday, every Sunday. The teams that block the best, that tackle the best, that don't make mistakes, those are the teams that win. And Colorado couldn't do that. They couldn't block. They couldn't tackle. And they made mistakes. And Shadour made mistakes. And Coach Prime made mistakes. And I think the thing that was always interesting was, was that, you know, everybody was kind of looking around and sometimes you got to look in the mirror. So the question was thrown to me. And the reason why I did this episode, the prime effect, did it work? (sighs) It really depends on who you ask. And I'll say this, man, I mean this Dion Sanders, again, I'm a fan. I've been a fan since like 1989 when he was at Florida State. But I'm also a f- big enough fan to where I can be critical of him. And see, I think that's where a lot of people got it twisted because I heard a lot of people say, oh man, y'all just hating on Prime. I heard I heard people say that when he was at Jackson State. No, you can be critical of Deion Sanders and not be hating. I think as a fan, that's what you're supposed to do. I think that's what some Jackson State alumni wanted to do. Hold him accountable. But you know what? When Deion made his decision to leave Jackson State, we heard a whole bunch of talk about, oh, they're misappropriating funds. They wouldn't let Deion do what he wanted. It was people making excuses. The bottom line is Deion Sanders was brought there to coach. Did he make Jackson State better than what it was when he got there? Of course he did. And I said then on the first episode, I wasn't upset that he left but he wasn't leaving my alma mater. You know what I'm saying? If he was at South Carolina state, I'd feel away. I'm not going to lie. I'd feel away. And I know Jackson state alums that felt away way about him leaving. I don't think he sold out, but there's a lot of people that thought that he did. And then there was even more people, particularly in the Jackson state, in the Jackson community that really felt bad when during this season here, 60 minutes came a in again. And Dion threw some not so subtle shots at Jackson. The city and the school didn't look good, but at the time Dion was riding the wave. This is when they were like three, three and old, oh, When they interviewed him, by the time they interviewed Air, they were on their downward spiral. And so, you know, you you just can't do that. But again, I think I think you can be very critical, and don't mistake criticism for hate, because everybody's not hating. I would like to see him do well, but you can't defend going to Oregon and getting blown, getting your doors blown off. You can't defend. You cannot defend being at home against a team that you were supposed to boat race in the Stanford Cardinal. You were up 29 to nothing. Do you know the odds of you losing a game when you're up 29 to nothing at halftime? I mean, it'd be different if you were playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you, you can't you can't stack a lead like that on a team like that. No lead is safe, I should say. But come on, man. Stanford? Them? Man, you're supposed to blow their doors off. And so that's bad coaching. It's bad players, but it's bad that falls on the coach. You can't do anything but look in the mirror. And I think, you know, Prime has his fans, and Prime also has his apologists, too. I'm a fan. I'm not an apologist. I, I, you guys know me. I don't talk a lot of sports on this, on my podcast, but what I do, I, I'm going to keep it real, but I'm going to be objective about my sports takes and no, he, he didn't coach well at all. And, you know, to throw the offensive line under the bus, now the offensive line was terrible, but there's a way that you can say certain things and, you know, you can't throw the offensive line under the bus because those are the guys that are blocking for your son. (laughs) They go hand in hand. You still need them to succeed. You, You can't win a game without an offensive line. Football doesn't work that way. It's not basketball. It's not baseball. It's not golf. It's not tennis. You need your offensive line. So, you know, Prime has a lot to learn. He has a lot to learn. He, he may be a great coach. He may be a great motivator, but that second part of the season, that's on him. If you want to give him the credit for the 3-0 start and the rise to fame and the accolades and all of the appearances on ESPN and Fox and national news and everything, if you want to give him that, fine. He deserved and he earned it. But he also earned those six consecutive losses too. They finished 4-8. and eight. Now, granted, they finished better than they did the previous year because the previous year they were one in 10. So, you know, there was an improvement, but you also have to be critical. And I think that's the thing that I, I don't think people, particularly people who don't watch college football. I don't think that they were critical. I don't think that they were uh, looking at it from the perspective that they should. All they saw was, if you're criticizing somebody, or you're more importantly, if you're criticizing Pro- coach Prime, you're hating. No, you're not hating. They thought what Dan Lanning said in that pregame um speech was, hey, that's not hating. That's coach speak. That's coach that Dion doesn't talk like that, but a lot of coaches do. And I mean, he didn't cuss Dion out or anything like that, but I mean, you know, there was the other co there was another coach or situation where one of the coaches said uh he he said something to the effect in a, in a press conference that he carries himself with respect. He takes his hat and his shades off when he walks in a building. He was raised the right way, which was to insinuate that Dion wasn't because Dion's in the press conference. He's got his hat on, he's got his shades on. And so Dion took that as you're saying that my mama ain't raised me right. And he took that personal. And I think they won that game. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was against Arizona State. But, I mean, you know, it, it was it was tough. It was tough, but that's what comes with the territory. Um, so, you know, did the prime effect work? I, I, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. Dion brought millions of dollars into the local Boulder, Colorado economy. I mean, again, the games were sold out. The games were all on national TV they had celebrities galore on the sideline. I'm not even going to name the celebrities. I mean, there's so many, you know, who was there until it got cold <laughs> until they started losing. Now, once they started, once they went on their losing streak, I ain't see a lot of celebrities over there. And it was cold too. Nah, bro. Everybody loves a winner. Everybody loves a winner. Would they have been out there if, if prime was eight and one probably cause it was still the hot thing. But if you're not winning, those celebrities they aren't fans, they're friends of the program, I guess, but you know, so a couple of them were there at Jackson State, and they haven't gone back to Jackson as far as I know, so they're there for prime they ain't there for they're not there for anybody else, and if prime's not there, they're not there um you know, so did it work? I mean it depends on who you ask uh Coach Prime was actually named. Sportsman of the year, sports person of the year by Sports Illustrated, which, a, which is a prestigious award. But why? <laughs> I mean, this team did finish four and eight. They didn't make a bowl game. Why would you give him sports person of the year? I mean, Coco Golf could have gotten it. I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to keep it in college football, uh, Jim Harbaugh, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. Nick Saban, a- anybody, sports person of the year, not the best college football coach, sports person of the year. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he won a Super Bowl. I mean, like, come on, man. I mean, and I get, I get it. I guess Sports Illustrated is trying to sell, you know, sell magazines. Uh, coach Prime did appear at one point in time this year on the cover, so you know, I don't know, I don't know, but I mean, did it work? Did the prime effect really work? It depends on who you ask. There was a lot of good that came out of this season. And I, I don't think that that should be lost. In conclusion, I think the future's bright for Coach Prime. I think he did a lot of good things. I think he set a precedent for you know, the way that he handles social media and, and putting the image and the brand of Colorado football on the map. And I think he's given other – universities and schools templates to follow maybe not as much on social media but you know at least to do certain things um he's made that be somewhat a reality show i mean like their youtube channel there's content up damn near every day even if it's just the kids hanging out in the cafeteria or on campus and it's shot and filmed by uh his oldest son uh bucky and so you know it, he's he's kept it in the family his family's been there um, and of course Deion has battled through uh, you know, physical conditions with his toes. Um, I think he had two toes amputated, so he always says he's eight toes down. Um, and he's fought through that and 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 come out on top. And I'm rooting for him health wise, that he continues to prosper. But, you know, you, you have to be honest with who Deion Sanders is, who Coach Prime is. He's a salesman. He sells himself, he sells his brand, he sells the university, but more importantly, he's always going to sell himself and he's always going to bet on himself. And so it really, I don't think it would be fair or smart to bet against him, but I will say this much. The honeymoon is over next year. Colorado should be better than four and eight. His sons are both coming back. Travis Hunter's coming back and presumably This will be the final season that they will be in Boulder. The question I have is, especially if we're playing daddy ball here, what's going to happen when they leave? I mean, because Dion's not going to the NFL. He's already said he has no interest in coaching at the NFL level because he doesn't feel like he can coach grown men. So what's next? There are kids now who are in the class of 2025 that like what Colorado has and like what they have to offer, but they're a little skeptical about committing to going to school there because they don't know if Coach Prime is going to be there. So, again, the question begs to, 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 to be asked, did the prime effect work? It did, to a degree. And to another degree, it didn't. The prime effect could have worked at Jackson State. He could have done everything that he's doing now. On a smaller scale, but he could have done it. Keep in mind, he never won a championship. He won a conference championship, but never won a black college national title. And ultimately, he wants to win a college football title. But the prime effect is going to have to go to the next level. We just saw in college football what it was about. We just saw Michigan at the time of this recording win a national championship. And they did it with defense. They did it with running the ball and just beating people up. And you got to be big up front on your offensive and defensive line. And Coach Prime has to recruit. I don't care if he gets him from the transfer portal. He's going to have to get a bigger offensive and defensive line if he expects to win. It can't just be about the fast guys on the outside. It can't just be about your son at quarterback. Because if not, your son will take another beating next year. It's big boy football. But again, economically, image-wise, uh, branding-wise, money-wise, Coach Prime, NIL money to the kids that play on his team, he did a lot. Did it work? Time will tell. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for me. Thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. The podcast drops every Thursday at midnight from time to time. We drop bonus episodes on Sundays at midnight. Be sure to uh, subscribe and follow us on all the socials. We're on Twitter X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. That's right. We got clips over there as well. Uh, subscribe on YouTube as well. There's a YouTube video and YouTube audio for every single episode. And if you feel inclined, you want to send us a couple of dollars. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Hit us up on Cash App, dollar sign, T-W-E-L-V-E-K-Y-L-E. Again, that's going to do it for me. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. This is the 12 Kyle Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. 5G.